Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Ether is the perfect drug for Las Vegas. In this town, they love a drunk. Fresh meat. Come on, buddy. So they put us through the turnstiles and turned us loose inside. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dose of Ether. This is your co-host, Lucian. Bijan was in at the CES conference in Las Vegas, where he interviewed some interesting entrepreneurs from the blockchain space. This week, we're featuring two interviews, one with Easy Blockchain and Sergey from there, and um, Alex from Celsius Network who you've also heard interviewed by D on the announcements episode previously. Um, to jump right in, Sergey from Easy Blockchain is basically taking the waste natural gas that is burned off at oil refineries, um, which don't have the equipment necessary to process, contain, or use natural gas, in the process of extracting uh, crude oil. Um, so generally, these are set off as flares, and um, they're just burned. Um, according to Sergey, a very little of the energy is actually used or converted in any way, but rather than simply emitting natural gas into the atmosphere, they burn it. So how does this relate with blockchain? Sergey basically is setting up mobile data centers and he's mining um i think bitcoin but he i don't think he specified the exact currency he's mining in these mobile data centers with um, generators that are installed in order to capture and transform the waste energy that is usually a byproduct in the production of oil into um, hashes and they set up a mobile data server and they run hashes and if any of those hashes check um, out or win the prize then they would convert it into bitcoin I think this is kind of interesting and it's a different play on how to make blockchain itself more energy friendly bitcoin has no intention of ever moving to something like proof of stake and they're very proud of how high their um, hash rate is and this is a byproduct of essentially expending energy and transforming energy into computation so there's no way that the entire bitcoin community is actually thinking about the reduction of their energy consumption or uh, their environmental impact so this is a really interesting play in the sense that um, energy that is uh, currently being wasted is being transformed into something that is productive and has a good use um, i might even go as far as saying it's of something like recycling uh, I think it's a really good idea. I wish them the best of luck. And I think one of the most important things is that um, 
except for the cost of renting the generators, um, there's a very low marginal cost to the energy production. So maybe this is a way for um, Bitcoin mining to start diversifying away from China specifically, which heavily subsidizes its uh, energy sector in order to be more competitive in its um, cheap goods productions. And uh, this is a major reason why... Um, a lot of blockchain mining is heavily concentrated in China. Maybe if um, we use creative outlets, for example, using mining rigs to heat a home, for example, and using the uh, heat produced by these mining rigs to heat a home, um, maybe we, if we find innovative ways, we can actually start uh, disintermediating the mining of uh, Bitcoin again which is something that has become highly concentrated in massive data centers, mainly because of the economies of scale associated with it. So this is an exciting um, project, and I'm definitely going to keep a lookout. So what they're currently doing is they are uh, partnering with uh, the University of North Dakota. They have uh, test locations currently and they're looking to a production in North Dakota. They have a partnership with the university. So um, it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out within a university setting. Also, um, a potentially interesting aspect would be that these remote areas in which they're producing oil, um, they generally don't have a very fast internet connection. And um, in Bitcoin, you don't exactly have uncles or uh, awards for people who guess the correct hash but aren't able to uh, distribute it across the network and inform all of the other miners fast enough um, to get credit. So I wonder if they're going to do something as well in order to uh, increase the connectivity of these sites as well. Um, because it is important to essentially propagate your correct block, otherwise you end up getting uncled. Uh, or basically there is someone else who finds the block in the intermediate time and submits it to everyone else and they get the credit because they heard it from someone else first. Um, but interesting, and let's see how it progresses. Now, there was also another interview with uh, the Celsius Network and Alex, um, which is a very interesting, um, accomplished CEO. And in the announcements episode, the announcements show itself is a paid format, um, while our show it did not uh, receive any kind of money or endorsement um, of this. And um, it's a very similar interview and very similar questions. I think um, the background and the experience that Alex provides is amazing. I mean, he has the resume of a very successful tech founder. And um, if you haven't listened to the announcements episode, I highly recommend it. It's, uh, it's a bit longer than the interview with uh, Bijan, but it's also um, very convincing. <laughs> I think... Uh, the the similarity in the messaging is quite clear and um it definitely seems like a mature um tech product in a sense that very many product projects aren't um, you can kind of feel the experience in even how disciplined the delivery of the pitches um 
And Alex's experience, is most notably in being the inventor and patent holder of voice over IP, um, is phenomenal. And I found it incredibly fascinating. Um, it's definitely compelling, um, compelling enough for me to actually open an account with Celsius Network. But as I was saying, this channel isn't a paid advertisement, so I get to share with you my experience and I get to tell you um, what I basically went through. So first I downloaded the app on my iOS device, uh, on my Android device, <clears throat> but initially I refused the geolocation tag um, and eventually the app started stopped opening for me. It says that I need to essentially allow them to view my location data in order to make sure that they are available in that country. Um, so I deleted it off my um, Android device and I activated the app on my iOS device. And the first thing that I noticed was that um, I can't actually deposit money into the app until I provide KYC. And um, I looked into their project enough to have enough um, belief, um, even though they only have about 10,000 downloads in uh, the iOS store. Um, I opened an app. I'm actually really interested in this new breed of interest-bearing crypto projects, and um, I went ahead and I actually went through the KYC process, which I have to admit is basically as uh, rigid, and it actually felt very similar to the Poloniex uh, KYC process, if anyone's gone through that before. Um, but essentially it needs pictures of your ID, um, your name, your address, and then it opens um, what is like a user interface for a wallet, and um, it asks for deposits, and for these deposits you're able to earn interest. And one of the things that stood out to me is that um, DAI and other stable coins, for example, you can uh, take the Coinbase stable coin and actually deposit it in uh, the Celsius network app, which I thought was really interesting. But the part that kind of threw me off was the fact that the interest rate is 7% for stable coins. Uh, meanwhile, it's about 3% um, and for... Uh, Ether and Bitcoin. It's also about 7% for Litecoin, but I'm currently not holding any Litecoin. And um, I just thought this is really interesting because you have a US dollar stablecoin when at a bank you would make uh, less than 3%. You would have to take on some kind of risk in order to get a 3% annual return. But if you keep it in a stablecoin, on the Celsius network, you actually get 7% return. So I find that really interesting. I also find that really strange. Um, so I'm going to be fully transparent and I'm actually going to try this, right? Because for me, this seems like an arbitrage opportunity given the fact that I'm actually taking some risk in the specific type of financial institution um, that I'm using in order to hold these deposits. Um, as such, I don't think they're FDIC insured, meaning I don't think that I have deposit insurance on this, but um, 
I haven't really uh, found anything that would either prove or disprove this. Um, and I, I'm curious, honestly, especially because one of um, the projects that I knew previously that provided interest on uh, crypto or interest on stable coins is uh, compound finance. Um, I've heard a number of Ethereum uh, developers talking about how they have um, basically the liquid portion of their net worth in DAI in order to have some kind of stability, um, and that they also keep it at, in compound finance. Um, compound finance provides less than 3% interest. So it's on par with a very good uh, bank rate currently. Um, but I find this really strange because, again, 7% versus 3% or less, it's, uh, it's quite a big difference. And I'm interested and I'm compelled enough to actually try out both of them, both from the user interface standpoint. So from the user interface standpoint, I have to say that the Celsius network has a very smooth app. Um, the colors are reminiscent of Coinbase, but <laughs> I appreciate their uh, animal cartoon characters that they have in the various tutorials. Um, I like the interface. I haven't deposited money yet. Um, I think I'm going to try. Again, I'm not being paid for this. I just, I'm just curious to see how it works. And my curiosity has gone further. And Alex claimed that you can go online and you can check their smart contract to see all of the money that's being dispersed. In fact, he went further and said that it is possible to audit that 80% of the interest that is accrued from the loans generated is paid back to the community. Well, of course, I looked this up. And uh, on Etherscan, for example, the only thing that I could see is an ERC-20 token. And... Um, having dug into it just a little bit, I'm able to see that they actually did an ICO and that there are uh, about 700 million um, tokens for the Celsius network. And I didn't really look at prices of the token, and this is not investment advice, so I don't own any Celsius tokens or anything. Um, but this wasn't something that was covered in the two previous interviews. And um, basically what I've noticed is that for the loans that you take out um, off of the crypto, because that's another thing. So you you're able to deposit crypto and earn interest on it. But on the flip side, you're actually able to take out US dollar loans with crypto as your collateral in which you have to be over um, capitalized by 50%. And the more, so that means if you deposit crypto, you could only take out 50% of the value of your crypto in uh, US dollars. And if uh, the price of your underlying crypto falls, you either have to put in more crypto or pay uh, back part of your loan just to maintain this 50% capitalization ratio at a very minimum. But the more capitalized you are, as in if you only take out 20% of the value of your crypto, then uh, you get a better rate. And uh, the rates are 
Um, I mean, you can check online and see because I wasn't actually interested in borrowing uh, money against my crypto because if the value of my crypto falls, then I will be either forced liquidated, right? And I would lose a portion of my tokens or at, at the lower price or um, I would be forced to put more money in or more crypto in as collateral. Um, so it's the equivalent of borrowing cash, US dollars against your crypto is actually the equivalent of betting against the underlying crypto. And if you want me to explain how that works, it's okay, I'm taking a bet that says that the cash value of my uh, Bitcoin, let's say, is worth more now than it will be in the future. And I actually believe the opposite. So I'm not going to borrow against my crypto. But you can also pay back your loan in US dollars or, importantly, in the Celsius token, um, which I was mentioning before because they I did an ICO a while back. Um, and I think that's where the ICO generates its value. Um, but if you pay back your loan in US dollars, then your crypto doesn't get liquidated or um, it doesn't actually act as a short position because you're paying the loan back plus interest in dollars. But if you don't, then your crypto gets liquidated at a lower price and usually for a penalty as well. Um, so I found this really interesting, especially because uh, last week we covered an interview with Maker Di Maker Die and um, stablecoins have been a really hot button issue. Um, one of the interesting aspects is that Celsius actually advertises seventy million, uh, seven hundred million dollars in loans, and um, when I looked over Maker Die last week, they were only at. Um, 78 million outstanding DAI. So DAI is basically an on-chain version of this. And I find that kind of interesting because it's a non-interest-bearing version of this. Um, and I think the parallels are very interesting, but I think the most interesting aspect is that the total value of DAI they have about $250 million of Ether locked up in the DAI smart contract, which is about 2%. The Celsius network takes uh, multiple types of tokens. I think there's about seven, but um, they also take Bitcoin, they also take Litecoin, and they take a few others. And they actually um, say that they have more value locked up than die, like substantially more, about three times as much. And it might not even be the value that is locked up. It is the value that was created in the form of loans. So it would be equivalent to the 78 million worth of outstanding die, um, if I understood correctly. So the numbers by themselves seem very large. And um, I did a quick search on how to actually see the smart contract that is auditable, um, and I couldn't find it. I honestly didn't 
dedicate that much time to it. I did look through the website. I did try to find it. Um, I know it's in both interviews in which Alex clearly states that you can audit this on chain and um, basically making a promise to our listeners that I'll follow through with that. And in order, because I basically I'm going to put my own money at risk and then I'm going to essentially follow through to make sure that it's actually auditable. Um, yeah, I, I find this really compelling. And um, the reason that I find this really compelling is the fact that um, the way that Alex presented this was something that uh, definitely brought me into the blockchain space in the first place. It wasn't necessarily that Bitcoin itself would become a world reserve currency. It was the fact that a transparent ledger has the ability to uh, that has the ability to be programmed with rules has the ability to make an institution, a financial institution, act uh, justly towards their consumers, right? Because currently, when you put your money into a major bank, they use profit from that money to lobby and change rules that actually dictate how a lot of our society is run. And there's very little that you can do as a consumer. Um, I hold money in a community savings bank. A very large proportion of my cash is in a community savings bank that is managed as a cooperative. So it's a credit co-op, and I recommend our listeners do the same as well. Um, but that's more ideological, and the way they actually treat and interact with their customers is slightly worse <laughs> than a major bank, mainly because they don't have the same technology that a major bank has. And this doesn't allow you to, for example, integrate into uh, most um, exchanges and um and uh, fiat to crypto onboards. So in order for me to actually have a fiat onboard, I actually had to move money into a major Wall Street bank in order to have um, a technology that was compatible with uh, Coinbase or Gemini. And it's kind of sad <laughs> that uh, in order to get into crypto, I actually had to go through a major Wall Street bank. But the sad part is the fact that there is no real guarantee to how I am treated at this institution. And if the Celsius network is able to actually have an auditable record in which their ledger shows, okay, these were the, um, this was the income from our uh, deposits, and they're able to actually have an auditable yet I would hope, um, while preserving personal identifying information, but an auditable, publicly auditable record that says these were the loans, this was the performance of the loans, this 80% goes to our depositors. And if they're able to do this, the details of how they do it are much less interesting than the fact that this might actually become auditable. And I think that this kind of uh, higher level of transparency, while it isn't the pure blockchain ideology of um, pseudo-anonymity and not having to um, provide your KYC, it might be an important transition step. And 
It also might be a step away from the idea that Bitcoin is purely hard money in the sense that there is a virtual commodity, I put in quotes, that backs up the actual value and it has something that connects us more to the real world in the fact that if you can borrow against this asset, then it could have a utility as well. And um, for example, if this type of system works out and if they actually are able to, let's say, go to 75% of the value of the underlying crypto and eventually go more and more and you're able to actually um, borrow against the value of your underlying crypto um, in such a way, this might actually be one of the first things that brings real utility to the blockchain space. And I think that's dearly needed. Um, so I'm watching, actually, I'm not watching, I'm participating. And um, I will inform you if I find out anything more. Um, I'm also going to look into whether or not it is auditable, because I'm curious to see what a transparent financial system looks like, because I can tell you right now that if you go to MakerDAO, their system is really transparent. They have dashboards that have live feeds for every transaction that goes through their system. And I love it. I find it fascinating. And um, it gets me really excited about the future, about how you can actually transform this digital asset into um, a dollar equivalent. But if this app actually has a way to get cash as opposed to um, dollar equivalent assets, then I find that really compelling. And yeah, eventually you will need KYC. And it is a form of an exchange, right? Um, Because basically anything with a fiat uh, on-ramp or off-ramp these days requires KYC. Um, But I think it might actually add to a lot of utility. Um, So I'll let you know how it goes. Now, uh, Bijan was recording these interviews live uh, on the floor of um, uh, CES in Las Vegas, and there is a bit of background noise. We apologize, and um, here are the interviews. Thanks for listening. So I'm here with Sergey, and we're talking about Easy Blockchain, where they've got a new service that's going to help actually oil and gas companies do better with their excess uh, energy. So can you tell me, Sergey, Sergey, how does this work? What are you What are you actually doing? Right. So from the name of the company, we call it Easy Blockchain. You can understand that we do something with the blockchain, right? So it's not only gas and oil companies. So what we found out by mining crypto some days ago, that it needs a lot of electricity, right? So we were looking for electricity, we couldn't find it. And then we found out that there is a lot of waste energy in oil basins such as uh, in uh, North Dakota, and Texas, Colorado. We started talking to oil and gas companies and found out that they have 
tons of wasted gas which they burn every day. So we did a little bit research, found out that we can actually transform that, uh, that into electricity and use that electricity on site. So we build our mobile data centers, which we bring to the oil and gas companies, uh, put that in the field, and actually use use all the energy over there. So you're using the energy that they're not using at the oil and gas fields, and this is coming from where? Where is the extra energy coming from? Right. So at every, I mean, here we need to understand how the oil works, right? So if you drill, if you drill oil, you have a well. With it, in most cases, you have associated problem gas coming out. So you have to burn that gas because you don't have infrastructure for it, right? You have infrastructure for oil, but not for the gas. So the companies just burn it because to build infrastructure for the oil for gas is very expensive, right? And they do use some of that energy on site, but they don't need so much. One of the sites in North Dakota, for example, can use as much as five megawatts of electricity if we convert that into electricity. It's an insane amount of electricity, you know? So that's a lot of wasted energy that they're not capturing today, and you're providing a key, a turnkey, fully complete hardware solution and the maintenance contract so that these oil and gas companies can generate cryptocurrency. Is there a particular cryptocurrency that they're able to generate? Or are you optimizing that and then sending them the, the money? Right, so, uh, well, first of all, it's not only wasted energy, it's actually the CO2, which is being burned, and we actually warm up the atmosphere. So that's the big problem, right? Because the amount of gas that's being burned is insane. And we're talking about like one third of all gas in the United States being burned. It's insane amount of money. First, and insane amount of CO2. So to answer your second question, like are we are full, uh, you know, full solution. Yes, we are. So we have the, the data centers that can run on electricity anywhere, and we have the generators that can. We partnered with the Genbacher. This is the one of the leading companies that manufactures the generators in the world. So they manufacture the generators specifically for us. They install them in the in the oil oil field and we bring our data centers there over there we connect them so we start using that gas which otherwise would be flared and convert them into money gotcha. so we bring the extra revenue to the oil and gas companies we bring uh you know much more better air for us and we solve some problems it makes, and, yeah it makes sense because this is this is energy that is being used at that point of the, the oil field, it can't be moved anywhere. Yes. You have to get the most maximum value of it at the location where it's seeping. And what they do normally is they just light it on fire. That is exactly right. And, and so what you're doing is you're saying, hey, instead of lighting it on fire, dumping a bunch of CO2 in the air, why don't you convert it into cryptocurrency, use that hash power to secure one of these networks like Bitcoin, and you get money in the air. So it's a win-win-win for right. the, the, the environment, for the, the oil and gas operator, and for you, the corporation that's trying to make money on it. That is so what, right. what are you trying to do right now? What is your biggest challenge? So right now, you believe us or not, believe me or not, our biggest challenge is actually to work with regulatory agencies. They don't really look at this as something that can solve the problem because from our experience, they are not there of trying to solve the problem. They know that it exists, they do reports, researches, but they don't solve it. So we want it to be, uh, you know, on 
level where regulatory agencies or departments, whatever, they endorse us, but they don't do that. So right now, our main challenge is actually to explain this technology to oil and gas companies because the only thing they know is to pump gas. I mean, pump oil and burn the gas. So we need to explain them, hey, there is a new technology, which is blockchain. And with that block, blockchain technology, we can mine Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrencies. And that's real money, which can be converted in US dollars, by the way, you know? <laughs> wow, that's very cool. Right. Uh, so I'm excited to see what Easy Blockchain comes up with next. Uh, where are you operating now? Right. So we are based out of Chicago. We have our test locations in Indiana. And our first location to be open will be in North Dakota. So we are partnering with the University, State University of North Dakota Research Center. So working with them right now and trying to find the first location. Excellent, Sergey. Well, I wish you guys the best of luck. I can't wait to see all that gas that's going into the atmosphere, going into our cherished cryptocurrencies. <laughs> Thank you. you very much. Yeah, we'll do our best. Excited. Alright, I'm here with Alex from Celsius Network. Alex is a longtime cryptocurrency investor and founder in the space, and he's an inventor as well. And I'd love to chat about that to start. So what was the what was the thing you were working on in the nineties and two thousands that people may have heard of? Yes, yeah, so I have over fifty patents related to uh, voice of IP, the the VoIP protocol. Uh, I wrote the original patent in October of nineteen ninety four. Built the first gateway in '95, and it was actually the cover page in the New York Times. We deployed it for AT&T in Japan, so we bypassed the AT the KDD AT&T bilateral system using VoIP gateways that ran on the ATT Gen's uh, internet backbone. Wow, the entire amazing. backbone was 45 megabit. So that was the internet backbone back then. So well, I remember, I remember when VoIP was getting popular. You were seeing commercials. Plug this into your computer right. for ten and get get your right. telephone for free. That was in the late nineties. Yeah. So, so that was over. That was later. Yes, yes. Later so on. Ninety four, ninety five. Most people still dial up with a modem to get right. into the internet. So when you said, because a dial up modem was nine point six kilobits, and I needed at least sixteen kilobits just to establish a voice connection right. to take and it would the, still be high latency and all yeah that. yeah so yeah you had about 250 milliseconds that was like the, the allowed latency to still make the connection and uh, it wasn't easy but you know like and no one knew some people thought it's gonna be voice over Ethernet some people thought it was voice over frame relay so there was all these companies going in different directions I was lucky enough to focus on TCP IP and UDP so do you think it was luck that you picked the right technology or did you evaluate these other options and say I know the future well I, when I saw the internet I realized that it's gonna take over everything just like today I realized that the blockchain is gonna take over everything so when it becomes the dominant platform, all the non-dominant platform have to migrate to the dominant platform. So no one in their right mind would be able to maintain a TDM network and an IP network. It's just gonna to be too expensive. 
so that TDM network is going to collapse and become a feature on the IP network. That's I got that faster than anybody else. And then you built the patents that protected your innovation. Right. I, I wrote the patents and built the gateway to enable TDM, traditional uh, time division multiplexing, to be able to run on uh, TCP/IP and UDP networks. So. Our, our gateway basically supported C7, SS7 protocols, which were the phone protocols, and then converted all of that into a, a run on TDM and then back to whatever the device was on the other side. Sometimes it was a cell phone, so you had to do different uh, wireless protocols. Sometimes it was TDM and sometimes it was just a, a, an IP phone. And now you're with Celsius Network after a billion dollars in raised funds and Three billion in exits. You're focused on blockchain, and you know we were talking earlier about how Mt. Gox was part of the reason why you, you know, really got ambitious about this space. What are you trying to do with Celsius Network um, today? So I, I believe that money over IP is the future, and money over IP is bigger than the internet. If you think about the internet, yes, it fixed travel and it fixed uh, communication and it fixed document management and document distribution, but that's but it's nothing. It's all for digital native things, right. not physical things That's in the real nothing world. compared to all the money in the world. All the money in the world touches everything. Right. So when you talk about money or IP, that touches every industry, every transaction, everything that was ever was and everything that will ever be. So, and again, this is a protocol that everything will run on it's top of. It's a dominant platform. It it's is a, dominant a platform. global maxima yes. where yes. everything to date has been a local exactly. maxima. Exactly. So exactly. now that this, now that this uh, has come into the fore, we're able to leverage that technology and it's never existed before and now new things are even possible. Are you well, looking we, we, at... We're just starting to experiment with what it is. So the problem we really have is that it, when you look at the blockchain, it's like uh, that experiment where you cover everybody's uh, eyes and they touch the elephant tail and they say, oh, it's an elephant and somebody else touches it, no, it's a donkey. We're still figuring it out. We're still figuring it out. So. The, the, the blockchain the blockchain is so slow and so expensive today that it's only good for very very few things and we are the 5,000 experiments with ICOs are all about figuring out what are those uh, five or six things that the blockchain is really good at because the internet was great at few hundred things but the blockchain is not the blockchain is only going to be good there's going to be one or two killer apps but those killer apps, like I said, they are going to be bigger than Apple or uh, Microsoft or Google or any of the companies we know today. And so let's talk about Celsius Network. This is yes. a financial product. Yeah, so we believe that the blockchain is all about financial services, meaning the blockchain, like Satoshi intended, is about creating a community platform that is acting in the best interest of the community. So today, unfortunately, if you look at all of the dominant institutions in our lives, if it's Facebook, or if it's Google, or if it's JP Morgan, or your insurance company, IG, none of them act in your best interest. All of them are acting in their own best interest, maximizing profit for themselves. And what we're saying is, is that you can use the blockchain to take in the intermediary out and deliver all that value to the person who has the dollars. Direct or, to consumer financial right, services. Right, And give control. So for example, Celsius created a, a simple app that everybody can download, almost everybody in the world. We're only excluding five or six uh, countries. And that, uh, 
that app allows anyone who has Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Ripple, and so on to earn interest. Every Monday we distribute interest for people that deposit with us. It doesn't matter if you have one dollar or one million dollar, you get pro rata the same interest, which changes people's lives because it's five times more than what the bank pays. And, and this is interest on cryptocurrency deposits. So what is the uh, minimum amount that a user has to deposit? There's no minimum. Okay, so, and, and the beauty and, of it is that we're trying to be as inclusive as possible. And the collateral. The whole point that we are in it for, to bring in the seven, million, seven billion people into the middle class. And, and you know, Voice of IP, as you know, is Voice of IP uh, now has over three million. 3 billion users, the goal here is to uh, achieve more than that, right? To have bring even more people to the blockchain. Because I think really the only chance the middle class has is to replace the existing infrastructure instead of just, uh, uh, you know, continue to empower the banks and these dominant institutions in our lives. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating and I know that there are a number of companies that are focused on this space and trying to bring financial services to consumers in a blockchain context. How are you doing it differently from, let's say, so let's talk about them. Yeah, so finance and, you know, you've got ETHLAND and you've got, ten, you know, 10,000 different so you have, you have, If you take Sol, BlockFi and, uh, and all these guys, they are just as bad as the banks, right? They take your crypto, they give you a high interest loan. Some of them charge as high as 24%. And I don't even know if they're going to be around. My right. crypto could get lost. But, but they take that money out of the community, meaning when you pay them interest, those coins don't go to the community. They go to the rich investors who put money in Nexo, for example. Nexo didn't do an ICO. They only have like five or six investors. So the interest distribution, they just distributed a million dollars in, uh, in uh, dividends. It went to five people. Right? It's the opposite of what we do. We don't take it out in dollars. We convert it into crypto, so we create demand for Bitcoin, Ethereum, and so on, and we distribute it to the thousands and thousands of small depositors who gave us the coins in the first place. And how does a depositor feel protected? I think one of the biggest parts of this industry is insurance. If I'm, if I'm trusting a custody solution like Celsius to hold and generate returns for my crypto, how do I know that you're not going to take it and run? Right, so we, we use BitGo, which is a famous, you know, uh, you know it, it, it's a platform, it's a custodian platform that's used by exchanges, it's used by uh, a variety of service providers. And again, our, look, our entire organization is acting in the best interest of the community. We don't use leverage. We never uh, have access, uh, uh, like our, our ratio of deposits to loans is always negative. Not like uh, Lehman that had 50 to 1 leverage or JP Morgan today that has about 15 to 1 leverage, right? And so you're helping you know, crypto users, holders, to get an ROI an instant, or an IRR for their um, cryptocurrency holdings. Right. So most, if they don't most, wanna... most of your listeners today, for example, don't know that when they give coins to Binance, Binance makes money on their coins. They're they rehypothecate the coins without their permission right and generate income on it and they never send you a check Binance made a billion dollars in profit last year did they send you a distribution check saying hey thanks you were one percent of all of our coins here is one percent of all of our earnings right so they're not they're not doing that and no we... no one in this industry everybody in this industry extracts the profits as dollars out of the community you cannot grow a community if everybody extracts it and right. puts it in dollars 
The only way you grow the community is if you bring assets in instead of taking them out. And so how are you bringing assets in that aren't already so, crypto native? So everything we distribute is only in coins. We would never give anybody dollars. The opposite. When you pass interest so in you're, dollars, you're, you're protecting. I go and buy coins with it. So what you're saying is rather than give it to a platform that is going to turn it into dollars and take money out of crypto, why not give it to a platform that is acting in the best interest of its members? members right. And, and pulling a full circle into what we're saying. Yes. That so VoIP is the same way. VoIP, if you think about it, VoIP is the largest distributed application on the internet. Right? Three billion people. No one is in charge. Not a single person or company can say, hey, uh, like Google or Facebook, I'm, I'm running this thing. Right? You can run any, any app you want on the same protocol. It doesn't matter if you're using WhatsApp or Skype or anything else. And the more people participate, the more beneficial it is for everybody else. So crypto is the same way, right? Bit the, the holders of Bitcoin or the holders of Ethereum are a membership organization. They are a community. And we're saying, look, the community is not, the, the Ethereum community is not really doing anything for, for its members. Let's pull them all together. Let's do proof of stake and redistribute the profits back to the people who actually hold the coins. And so if I'm an Ethereum user, let's take the proof of stake as an example. You know, there's a big issue here where the custodians are not operators of mining architecture and mining infrastructure. Are you suggesting that you would use my Ether and make money on it better than I would on my own? I will own always with make it better than you because because I have so much Ether, I can demand higher rates. If you only have 10 coins and I have 10,000 coins, and the hedge fund comes and says, I want to uh, short 10,000 ETH, or I want to hedge my position, or I want for tax reasons to balance out my book, they're not going to lower it from you. It's too much hassle. So I can charge them maybe 12%. You can charge them even 1%. So the issue of scale is a very important issue. So the, that comes with a community uh, commitment. We committed to distribute 80% of our income to the community. And we're now recording all that information in the blockchain. So anyone, even if you don't have any coins with us, can come and verify right, through an outside audit to see how much did we receive in deposits, how much did we give out. There's actually a website that does that. We didn't create that website. It's a third party, some guy who's looking at all the Bitcoin, uh, BitGo Bit deposits, looking at how much we're issuing loans. We just published how much we did. We did $782 million for the six months, last six months of 2018. You can see how much we distributed and you can say, okay, how much did Alex take home? How much, because you know exactly right, right. where it and, went. And that makes a lot of sense to me. I think what, um, What's interesting here is that you're clearly more competitive in, in that respect of being user-focused and community-focused and about the ecosystem and blockchain, but compared to, let's say, the alternative of me just doing a proof-of-stake operation and generating my 5% return on my Ethereum by actually you know, validating blocks, how do, how do you compare to that use case? Well, so, because so here's we, the thing. we make the 5% just like you right, but, when we don't deploy the coins. Mm -hmm. But then half of the time we deploy them at 9% or 12%. Right. So my blended rate will always, always be, be higher, higher than yours. Right, because if but, somebody but, can use it, right. then they, yeah. I, I, but look, the, the real competition is not between me doing proof of stake or you doing proof of stake. No, I understand. The real competition is you trusting the banks giving your money to JP Morgan, for example, thinking that it's safe. Does JP Morgan or any other financial institution open their kimono and show you what they're doing with your money? So the transparency is a big aspect. Right. Of course there isn't they, of a course. single institution on this planet 
that is fully transparent. What you rely on is an audit by Ernst & Young, an audit by, by Deloitte every six months or every 12 months to tell you everything is kosher. And you can prove, but the reality you is can prove everything because every it's day, all blockchain. Every based. day you can prove it. And so there's so, no cash transactions involved whatsoever. No cash. We don't accept cash. Yeah. So Bernie Madoff went through six SEC audits. And he passed all of them. And he still stole $60 billion. Understand? So, so you have to decide. Look, most people don't understand that in 2008, it wasn't the U.S. government that bailed out all the banks. It was the U.S. consumer, the 330 million people that live in this country, who bailed out all the U.S. banks. And, and it's so ironic that you hear from these top banks how crypto is fraud, Bitcoin is fraud. Exactly. And these guys are getting it's fined. Laughable. Wells Fargo getting fined. You know, For opening $20 million, million dollar fake accounts. And unbelievable, right? You know, like and people... Not a single banker went to jail for that. So if I if I opened one ba fake bank account, I would go to jail immediately. Right. But if you do 20 million, that's uh, that's okay. And, and what's cool about this is that it's a proactive disclosure where you know that at, at any time anyone can validate yes. on the blockchain what has happened. And so, but that's easy when you do the right thing. You see, when you cheat and steal and you give yourself giant bonuses, you have to hide that stuff. When you do shady business in Malaysia. And, and uh, if your name is J uh, you know, Goldman Sachs, you have to hide all that stuff, right? So, so look, I, frankly, I don't understand how the average person still trusts bank. I mean, banks are not your friends. You know, like if, if, if you haven't realized it yet, think about it. They, they take your dollar deposit, right? You get your salary, you work really hard for it for two weeks, you get that check, you deposit in the bank. They at best pay you 1%. Then they turn around, give me your money. It's, it's your money. They don't. It's not their money. They lend you. All they did is broker a deal between you and me on my credit card, right? They charge me 25%. You got 1%. So 90% of the value is collected by the bank. They're siphoning for just, it out. Yes. Our, our economic activity, exactly. they're taking as much of the pie exactly. as Exactly. So if your real estate broker charged you 90% of the value of the house you sold, you would go crazy. So you here's would, what's interesting to me. Against against the parallel to Voight. Yeah, so the parallel to Voight here that I find really interesting is that you... The phone company used to do that. They used to charge you $3 a minute because so you didn't have a choice. Because this is a paradigm shift, right? And now that we can be transparent, we will be transparent. Yes. Companies that it's are transparent... Yes. will succeed. Yes. There's no alternative. Exactly. It's just a matter of time. Right. And, and the capital will move from... Because think about it. People look at the bank, they see this giant building, and they say, wow, these banks are so powerful. The only reason they're powerful is because we continue to give them our money. How powerful is JP Morgan if everybody stopped depositing money there? They have zero Nothing. Power. They lose all their value instantly. So really, it's up to us, we the people, to uh, uh, do the right thing for the community. Now, all we're doing is building an organization that does that for the community membership. Fully transparent, in its best interest, no leverage, zero risk, and people are and still- And high, relatively high rates. Right, and I'm, I'm, I'm carrying the flag for Satoshi, right? I'm here saying, hey, this is Satoshi. what- you, I'm not Satoshi, no. <laughs> okay. But but again, I don't need to work. I'm not doing this for the money. You know, this is you're doing it for change. Yes, I, I just don't have an off switch. So I have to do something. <laughs> but but the the reality is is that the, the opportunity here is to transform humanity from uh, the guy that dies with the most dollars win to the people that pull together the largest community win. I love it. And and Celsius Network, Alex is here with us. 
Um, they've got a new app out there. You can deposit your crypto today. How many how many cryptocurrencies are you supporting? Right we now? I think we have eight, and we're adding like four more. We're going to be adding stable coins. And, well. and the, the you can get a loan of crypto for approximately between what rate? Like so we, we charge between five and twelve percent. So if you, for example, if you deposit Bitcoin. Uh, you deposit thousand uh, dollars worth of Bitcoin, you can get five hundred dollar loan, and that would be twelve percent. But if you took only twenty percent, so if you took two hundred dollar loan, you will only charge you five percent because the lower LTV uh, loan to value ratio means less risk less for risk, the community. Right. So less risk means we should charge you less. Right. So so it's a win-win for both sides. And uh, the and again we distribute eighty percent of that back to the coin holders. Right. So the value never leaves the community. And it's, it's, it's community money getting applied back to community users yes. who are using the money to grow the community. Nothing goes to the bankers, nothing goes for private jets, no bonuses. You know, because normally it's big pockets putting money in to over leverage consumers who then have to go get bailed out by the government yes. or somebody else. When they make a mistake. Right. If they don't make a mistake, they get giant bonuses. Exactly. Yes. Well, on that note, we, we look forward to seeing Celsius take over and, uh, and, and knock at least So the, call the to action from your listeners. Yeah. The call to action and the reason why you asked me before, why are we doing this? This community after 10 years has less than 30 million active users. When the internet was 10 years old, we had over 500 million users. So we are an order of magnitude behind the internet adoption wave. And it's because all of us, all the people who are active in this community, are just shuffling coins with each other. You know, it's like a relay race. You know, the four, four uh, stick relays. And how are we bringing we in, started, How do we bring in more people? So exactly. So, but we started with the anarchists, and they passed the baton to the libertarians, and those guys passed the baton to the speculators, and the speculators were supposed to pass the baton to the institution, and the institution said too hot and dropped the baton, and that's why we have this crash of 90% in the value because the institution was supposed to bail us in by coming in and putting tens of hundreds of billions of dollars worth of new capital into the industry. The only way we save this is to by bringing new people into the community. So each one of your listeners has to bring 10 people into the community. We do that, then we don't need the institutions. Because we can give them, there's enough good products out there, lending products, in, interest income. Uh, you know, we have another service called CellPay where you can sell, send coin to people that don't even have wallets. So it works like Venmo, but you can send it to anyone with an SMS. Right, so it's an example of how easy it is to now offer this to anyone out there. So all these services are targeting and solving the adoption issue because the biggest problem with pricing of the coins, everybody's like, oh, it might be going down lower. It's going down lower because all of you are busy trading instead of bringing new people into the community. Right, just grow the community. Everything grow the community. Will Everything will solve itself. I agree 100%. Thanks, Alex, for coming on the show. And, Thanks so much. Uh, listeners, you can find them at Celsius.network. Celsius.network.